0: Years ago, they added another sphere of this and added compassion as part of the key spirit to kind of say, actually, we have to go back and we have to go back and start with what the person at the center of all this, what they want out of it, what their goal is. Then we can guide and facilitate because otherwise it is open to potentially open to abuse where you take a patient where you want them to go. Um, and that may not have been anything to do with, with their original concessions.
1: Yeah. Actually, guys, they, um, Belinda's just posted a comment that, that's just reminded me of something that happened here a couple of weeks ago in Australia. We just had a general election and a, a political party lost. Who probably who thought they were going to win. And they immediately changed their leader. And the next day, that leader said, we're given two ears and one mouth for a reason. And Belinda's <laughs> posted a comment. You know, two ears, one mouth. Active listening before you speak. So it just reminded me of what that politician said. You know, we've given two ears and one mouth for a reason. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah.
2: It's um, it's a pretty solid take home, isn't it? If if you come out of a consultation and you've you've been talking more than you've been listening, you've probably not 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 done it quite right. Let's talk about what this might look like in a consultation in, in everyday practice. Then, and I know your your guys um. I somebody said of talking within the confines of the the, the diabetic consult, but uh, it doesn't really matter because I think it, it, you know, it, it applies out, outside to everything. What, um, what's the best way to do this? We don't want to do any role play or anything crazy like that. But I mean, what, 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 what <laughs> unless you really want to, I don't know. But what, what does this look like for you guys? Um on a daily basis is it is it really just a case of? i mean are you doing this with every single person let me come to you jody and say because you obviously mentioned that this may not be appropriate for every single person so when someone comes in yeah. what's your sort of uh, filter for you know do you i mean is it as simple for you as okay i'm gonna i'm gonna use mi on this consultation or i'm not and how soon do you decide that and, and how do you decide that
3: it's really context specific so if you're working in a diabetic ulcer clinic and um you've got a a a huge mess of a wound and you have urgent clinical need to deal with that mi may may not be possible or appropriate in in that context so it really does depend you really do need to work with what's in front of you um so um I guess it depends on the, where change fits into that consultation. Are you at the point with whether it's an MSK patient, diabetic patient, where you're beginning to look at change or adhering to something that you want somebody to adhere to or self-care or self-management? If, those are the, if that's the stage that you're at, then you could consider whether MI is is appropriate. And there are some phases of, 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 you know, recognizable phases within that, depending on whether the person is showing some form of resistance or reluctance, or whether there is. Joanne spoke about um, people that she sees that have turned up do generally have some motivation for wearing orthoses, but other clinics um, you, you do find people that come in. Um, have turned up because they've been told to turn up and have absolutely uh, no in, intention of of um, of maybe engaging at that stage. And in that in that situation, you need to just build rapport and spend all your time engaging. And there's no point moving on to change too quickly. Um, so it really is uh, a key thing of MI is deep is responding to what's in front of you rather than going by a, a mechanism or a protocol for MI that's really important
2: yeah yeah same same for you joanne
3: yeah
4: i, I guess um i would agree with what jody um uh, communicated there uh in my clinical practice i um provide insoles for people with diabetes uh, uh, it's a it's a um we call it the instant insole clinic and um, it's set up. People are referred to the clinic to be provided their diabetic. they have to be diabetic to be provided with insoles. So I guess for me, um, the clinic, every patient gets uh, an MI approach if you want, if you like, uh, or a patient centered approach. But I, I certainly uh, grade the amount of time and um, how gently I, Uh, collaborate with the patient in terms of of what comes next dependent on their entry questionnaire Um, so that the patient who who is is completely uh, committed to insults probably has had insults in the past and actually uh, wants to optimize those insults because maybe they're not they're not offloading um, as well as they might then uh, the MI is about uh, finding out from the patient uh, what works for them best, what's most important in terms of how they use their insoles day to day um, and and trying to work with the patient to work out how we can, they're already wearing them every day, but often they're not wearing them for enough of the day. Um, so it's really exploring using MI um, as part of action planning to find out um, on a on a from the moment they wake up to the moment they go to bed what shoes they wear and and where when and where they wear their insoles and whether they wear slippers about the house and then focus in the management plan and the insole we provide on that conversation whereas the patient who comes in who's a two or a three then then I start from from a different start point there it's um do you do you know what benefit. Insoles might have to you. Shall we talk about whether insoles may even be of benefit to you? So, so for me, I always use MI or the spirit of MI at least. But, but the starting point uh, and and how that moves forward through the consultation varies depending on the patient's readiness to change. Or, 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 and that change may be, do you want insoles? Or it may be, how can we get you to wear insoles for more of the daytime?
1: Actually, yeah. that, that's interesting, Joanne, because I, I noticed something that I, if you go back to, say, the barefoot running fad and all that kind of nonsense that went on a while, quite a while ago, there was an extraordinary amount of information online for runners on foot orthotics. And mm. I don't know about you, Ian, but I, I at that time, was um, you, you're trying to almost elicit the runner or the patient who's a runner, their belief system. About, exactly. foot yeah. about foot orthotics. About foot Before you even suggest that as an intervention, <laughs> so I, I, I like to be, conf- yeah, I like to be confident in how they will respond to my suggestion, because I know they've probably googled it before they came in, you know, and, and do foot orthotics work or something like that. So I think I think that's along the same line, and I, that to me just grew naturally out of what went on, you know, five years ago, six years ago, that, that you just had to start. You couldn't just suggest foot orthotics. You had to actually elicit their beliefs on foot orthotics that they got from fellow runners, from Runners World, and those kinds of issues.
4: Yeah, and that's yeah. and that's absolutely what MI allows you to do. Yeah. It's it's really getting inside uh, the patient's
2: values and beliefs.
1: Yeah, I think I'm going to have to go and do that course you did, Ian. <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny, you
2: know, since I since I did the course, I would say rightly or wrongly, I'm I'm applying these principles, to, and I work purely in the sports injury world not in the diabetic world at all but but i'm applying these principles to to everyone i see and i was trying to work out am i doing it just because i'm really enjoying the practice which i think i am um but actually people i don't know about you and i might come to you Andrew, uh, because you're you're using this a lot as well and we've been talking about this quite a bit um when i ask patients questions about their beliefs and, and and i'll actually say things to them like um you know, someone comes in with shin pain and I'll often say to them, What do you think is causing your shin pain? And they, they 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 sort of take a sit back like no one no medical professional has ever asked me because obviously it's it would historically have been considered a bit of an embarrassing thing to us. They're coming to us for the answers, right? But I'll often I'll say to them, What do you think is causing your pain? or or um, what do you think caused the injury? And um the the response I get is never negative, but it's always one of surprise. Is that is that your experience? Um
0: yeah, actually, the, 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 there's quite a few really interesting nuggets that are coming out of this. Um, so when, just to almost hark back to a point made right at the beginning, I remember going to, when I was a kid, uh, the GP I had as a kid, um, he was by far and away the most loved GP at the practice because he did precisely that. And we we're, you know, we were going back to the, the, the 80s when you, they'd go in and you'd go in with a problem and, and he would start with, well, what do you think's wrong with you? You know, and He used to disarm people a little bit. Um, but you can almost see the threads of that coming through very much into this. Um, what we often talk about within 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 MI um, is kind of the, the role that you take on as the clinician so whether you are somebody who is you know at certain times needing to do to use MI jargon a lot of following so you're there having to kind of listen intently and do a lot of active listening there are other times where actually the role you take on is a bit more informative so you are actually having to provide a lot of information the patient needs. And other times you're kind of guiding, so you're kind of doing, you know, you're asking the sort of right questions to, to elicit the person to, to find their way through this. Um, and you kind of all touched on this a little bit now. I think one of the key things that I tend to find really, really useful, moving away from what used to be called the sort of um, chunk, check, chunk method, which was give a bit of information, check they've understood it, and then give some more. You often found, I've often found people kind of give you quite a sort of perfunctory, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm on board with that. But actually there might be bits they've misconstrued or haven't really understood. So instead, one of the things I tend to adopt with a lot of patients is the illicit, provide illicit approach. So I will start with a question about what they understand um, or even what they want to talk about. Then that might lead to a a question from them about some information they want. So I might then provide some information and then I might ask them what that means to them. So now I've told you this particular bit of information, maybe this particular fact. Is that something that, you know, how do you understand what I've said and how does that now impact your behaviour? So if I'm now asking them to make a change in a certain way, I want to find out from them if that suggestion is something that really conflicts with them or if that suggestion is something that actually could get on board with. Um, so I tend to find that I, I do typically change my consultation around that. Um, and one of the key things, I think the actual implementation of this in practice is probably the hardest bit for most people understandably. It definitely is for me. Um, But I think it's, I find it, you know, you can't kind of turn it on and off. You can't kind of say, right, I'm going to start using motivational interviewing now, having done nothing that was supportive of that before. So you kind of have to have this approach to all patient consultations, even if you don't run through all of the techniques um, in that consultation, even if it is just having that more sort of empathetic uh, and general sort of genuinely concordant relationship with the patient rather than oh, i'm going to be the informant now i'm going to be the listener if that kind of makes some sense yeah
2: yeah yeah and actually um i was going to come to you first andrew about um, how we try and um, kind of comes back to the illicit provider illicit concept of how we try and subdue our own writing reflex um mm-hmm. and I, I was only going to come to you because i know that you and i are are uh it's foolish enough unlike joanne and jody we're foolish enough to pick fights on the internet with people we disagree with whereas <laughs> these two are far too sensible and far too and, and craig you're foolish in this regard as well but you know we've all been guilty of seeing something we disagree with you know that classic meme of you know someone up at two o'clock in the morning and their their, their partner says and we come to bed you we say well uh, i'll be there in a minute someone on the internet's wrong we've all been there <laughs> um and it's not a good place to be and 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 I've definitely done this with my patients in the past. Craig talks about barefoot yeah. running in, in our world was, was the classic where if someone came in and they'd drunk the Kool-Aid and they'd read the blog and they'd read Born to Run and they were sitting there in their five-finger shoes um, telling, you know, with, with stress fractures, of course, but telling us how good barefoot mm. running was. And we suddenly, uh, you, know, our, you know, we get our writing effects and we, we just hit them with all this information of why it's not good. They, they do not change their behavior. They, they no. double down on their beliefs and, and we, we, we get nowhere. So um, I've definitely, since I've done this course, been picking fewer fights on the internet, which I think is a good thing all around. <laughs> and actually I've been correcting people um, less quickly. And the, the, the yeah. bite that people always get out of me is, is overpronation, not a term I've ever loved. And people know that. So they, they, they go fishing and, they, and actually people are getting super disappointed that I'm not biting at it anymore. I feel like I'm mature mm. now. I th- I've got MI to thank for for, for maturity, but I mean, um, what what do you feel, uh, Andrew? You're you're a bit like me in this regard, as I know. What do you feel right. about MI and how it's allowed you to suppress your own writing reflex, not just in your patient consultations, but in your actual life sure. as
0: well? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I've been quite as 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 good at staying quiet on the internet as I should have been, and maybe that's my sort of valve. <laughs> I do all my writing reflexes online. <laughs> um, to be honest with you, I think, I think that's the hardest thing to subdue uh, because you, you can't get out of that mindset. It's really difficult to get out of that mindset of wanting to fix problems. I think we're all wired to want to fix problems. Um, I think the, the – and it comes back to this point of ambivalence. Um, and, and, and the moment it clicked for me is when you really delve into ambivalence because somebody will have a good uh, reason for change and people will have legitimately good reasons for – things staying the same they'll have legitimate reasons for the status quo being in place it's harder to move from a place of doing nothing to a place of doing something so if you then you know as steve rolnick really put it vomited information on people um, which is what we might get into the habit of doing is just kind of inundating them with all the info we want to give them all the education we want to give them You've argued so vehemently on the, on the on the positive case for change that you're actually leaving the person nothing but arguing the case against change that they want to take up that that defensive position. So um, I don't really have a have a tip uh, at suppressing the writing reflex. I I, I stumble frequently, but um, it, it is the hardest thing to, to do. But the thing that I I find probably the 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 constant behaviour checker is for me to constantly remind myself that it's, it's the patient's agenda, not mine um and actually if i can just be aware that it's 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 about them not me um and i know that's you know really sort of basic thing to say but i think we all can get in the habit of forgetting that you know we're so keen on making sure that our practice is top-notch we've done all the right things for our patients that we want to problem solve for them and actually there are some problems that just have to solve themselves so you have to suppress the 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 desire to to correct them because you're
2: just going to find that you, you 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 piss them off I think uh, I think Joanne's got it nailed by just not being on Facebook. That's got to be yeah. a great. It's got to be a great starting point, hasn't it? Uh, just talk us through talk us through what what life is like without being on Facebook, just for a second. I I, I understand the irony of us being live on Facebook right now, by the way. But um, I I fantasize about about doing this. You know, I'm not quite about d- removing myself from technology and going and living in the woods, but I do fantasize about what just taking social media out of my life and um tell me what it's like (laughs) i don't really
4: know what to say (laughs) um, maybe maybe this is a time for change i don't know (laughs) (laughs) or maybe i could persuade you all not to be on facebook i'm not sure yeah
2: (laughs) Yeah. We need to have a chat offline about this for sure. Um, let's before I'm just conscious of the time and there's a few other things I want to get through. And when we get to an hour, you'll notice because Craig will start twitching a bit. So I'm going to get, I want, I want to, to cover, we've already touched on a few of these, but, but the, the acronym ORS, OARS O-A-R-S. <laughs> Um, which if anyone Googles about um, motivation interviewing or, or buys a book or goes on a course, they'll, they'll, they'll come across this quite early on. Um, and we've already touched on the O, which is open questions uh, that we're using to trigger more than just short response and, and things. Um, but the A, the R, the S, the affirmations, the reflections and, and the summaries. Um, and this is a bit of a structure, isn't it, to the way that the kind of interaction mm-hmm. goes. Could we just uh, talk on those? Because I, I find myself making real use of kind of reflections. I know there are different types of there are simple and complex and double-sided reflections, but, um, why don't we, if it's okay with you guys, we've got affirmations, reflections, and summaries. And why don't we just give you one of them each, if that's okay. Um, I don't know who wants to take on, um, affirmations, but, um, in the oars thing, you know, we start by asking, asking an open question and then we move on to sort of affirmations. Um, uh, whoever speaks first can take it. <laughs> Silence. No one wants it. Right. I'll take no, affirmations.
3: Sorry. I don't mind. I don't mind taking affirmations.
2: Perfect. I Thank think.
3: You. I think to, to start with, uh, we we spoke about spirit of MI, and that was how we need to be as clinicians. And then the OARS acronym is the skills. What do we do? So one is how we need to be, and this is uh, what do we do. Mm. So I think it's quite a useful distinction because they can get blended um, together, but they are quite distinct. So the the affirmations um, is. Uh, requires to be distinguished from giving praise. So of, often we want to be caring and kind to our patients and we might say, oh well done, you've done really well, giving them feedback is important. but Actually um, praise as opposed to affirming um, something, their strengths, something that they've done um, that is, is, is demonstrates their strength, uh, praise and affirmations are quite different. So um, an example would be well done. You've managed to get through all that traffic uh, and the difficult hospital conditions, and you found it to to the clinic today. As opposed to um, you've the affirmations would be you've made it here um, just despite having all those challenges. They are different. Praise is um, has a flavour of uh, judgment, so doesn't allow the uh, doesn't allow the the patient to necessarily feel the feel the strength and the confidence themselves so it is again clinician led and that's the difference i don't know if i've explained that well but, uh, enough i, thought but Jody. Well done. Yeah. Um, I think it's quite a difficult concept but when you use it in practice i think it's the of of all the oars affirmations has been found to have the biggest impact on change in the evidence which is a really fascinating i, I think it was surprising for me that just by pointing out and somebody by pointing out somebody's strength, that that seems mm-hmm. to have a bigger impact on change than open questions, reflections, or summarising. Which I
2: was building their self-efficacy.
3: It is. is. Building their confidence and their belief in themselves. Yeah. yeah. And
2: I, and I should have said this before for anyone who's thinking about doing an MI course this has massive applications to trying to deal with a three-year-old and a five-year-old boy in my house as well. (laughs) I I, I was just, just frantically trying to get one of them in the bath and I was using affirmations to do so upstairs, like 10 minutes before we went live. So even if you don't want to apply this to clinical practice, I think it makes me a slightly better parent, albeit still a very average one. So let's come on to, um, let's come on to reflections. Probably, probably my favorite of of, of all of these. I don't know why. I just, just, I just kind of think yours too. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's go to you, Joanne, if if that's okay. Um, Can you just? I mean, obviously, uh, you know, we don't want to necessarily go through simple, complex, double-sided. But just, just give everyone a bit of a, a bit of an overview of what reflections are.
4: So, um, how we use them. Yeah. So, really, uh, reflections is uh, reflecting back to uh, the patient um, what it is you want them, what you've heard from them. Um, So for example, um, they may be telling you your story, is how really you keep them on track um, so that you can reflect back either an, an aspect of what they've said to um, ensure that you've understood um, what they've said or uh, to reflect back um, when you want them to expand on, on something they've said. And that can be used both in the sort of listening for them to tell you um encouraging them to tell their story um, but also when you're trying to resolve ambivalence and encourage change
2: yeah and and just we'll give some examples in a second but just moving on to you Andrew with regard to Mm -hmm. I think it's probably obvious what summaries are but you know the the final Mm -hmm. sort of uh, letter in the ORS acronym and tying it all together
0: yeah. Um, so really, the, the summaries are essentially what you sort of collect your reflections together and you actually provide a bit of a, a bit of an overall narrative. But I mean, the, the way I kind of view it with the with the reflections and the summaries, it's where you demonstrate your active listening. Um, and one of the things that I thought was really powerful when I when I had someone talk about it was, um, with the reflections, what you're really trying to do is pick out the the, the change talk. You're trying to pick out the bits that actually are giving you an indication that person's willing to engage with change or make some changes. So by the time they've they've initially vocalised it, they've reflected it. Well, so you've reflected it back to them. If at the end you bring together the summary. Essentially they've heard that change talk for the third time and that really starts to have quite a powerful impact It it really resonating. Um, but the other thing that summaries do really well um, is it just demonstrates to the patient that you have been listening. And I think that's such a powerful thing and I think we talk about it in all different contexts but one of the biggest criticisms that comes out of, of, from patients with regards to any healthcare interaction is they felt like they weren't being listened to. They kind of mm-hmm. felt like no one was paying attention. And your reflections, particularly if they're skilled and they're on point, make somebody feel like wow they've listened to me that's the first time in you know 10 15 years anybody's listened to me about this the 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 amount of trust you can build in that you know 15 second summary can be quite immense so yeah essentially it's pulling those reflections together and and kind of summarizing um everything to the patient which which can hopefully lead you towards you know the change talk, lead you towards putting the plan in place for them or with them
2: yeah and i think um the easiest way to do this, and this is what I did, is you, you go on to go onto go onto various podcasts, go onto YouTube, and, and just watch some examples of motivational oh, interviewing. And, and actually, you know, we've been talking about this for an hour, and it sounds overwhelming and complex. But when you watch experts, you know, people who've been doing this a lot, do it. What we're describing here, people, I'm sure there are people listening going, "Well, I have half an hour for every new patient. I don't have time for this." You know, this takes minutes. It, it literally takes yeah. minutes for, with with someone who's very skilled And I remember the first time we on my course we were doing some double-sided reflections and you had to hand back what you'd heard and they said make sure you sort of hand it back and end on the change talk and you were so nervous about handing something back that that perhaps and someone's just said no that's not what i meant and that someone said don't be don't be afraid to try and you know, sometimes you'll hand something back and it, you won't land it but that's okay because it gives you an opportunity to ask them again so i mean i think the example that was used to me was someone said um uh, I, I really want to do all my rehabilitation. you said, but I'm just so terribly busy. Um, or, you know, and I, and I, I sort of just, just a simple reflection. Of, so what I'm, what I'm hearing you say is that, that you're, you're incredibly busy, uh, you know, incredibly busy life, but you do understand that your rehab's important. And all I've done is just basically re- re- return the, the question, but given them mm-hmm. the, 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 the change talk at the end. And, um, I found it incredibly fun to practice and I love watching people do it who are really, really good at it. Um, On that note, are there any tools that you guys um, would point people to um, or is it just a case of just just get out there, buy the book, buy buy, um, Miller and Rolnik's book, buy, buy, you know, go and listen to some podcasts or is there anything that you personally have found really helpful in your journeys?
0: I I, I personally think that. Oh, sorry. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. I'll go in a minute.
3: I was just going to say there's a BMJ module, which is free and Mm -hmm. it's only an hour introduction to motivation interviewing which is a great place to start i think because it's it's Amazing. got the explanations and it's got it's got a video in there of somebody actually delivering um am i so um, i've got the link i can send that to you yeah um,
0: Middlesex sex do a great uh, online course as well uh Middlesex uni
2: Middlesex uni can we can you ping the link to that yeah, in, our, in the comments in the, video. Yeah. the one i wanted to mention i think i've mentioned it before is there's an app called change talk
3: um, yeah, and it 's one of those
2: role playing apps it 's actually more about childhood obesity um, yeah, but it's, but it's, it doesn't like we say it doesn 't matter it 's not about the topic it 's not about whether you 're talking about smoking or obesity or diabetes it's it 's about the the principles it 's about the the, the practice and, and and things um before we wrap up um, Craig, were, do we just can we just put up the papers that these guys have published um, just so people have also got some uh, references they can Head off and read with regard to, um, the you know. Um,
1: yeah. I'll po- I'll post links to these in the comments later. But great, you want to make a comment on the papers? I'll scroll through. Um, them.
3: Yeah, this this one's from
4: myself, um, and I guess it, it was um, undertaking this piece of research that that uh, spurred me on to looking for something more than than the. Um, Or change in my clinical practice, Um, and and it's all about getting inside or behind the patient's experience and understanding why they don't do um, what you ask them to do. And for me, it was a real light bulb moment um, in terms of I need to find a better way to treat these patients.
1: Sure, there was this one here from you, Andrew
0: uh yeah also in, interestingly enough um mine doesn't really sort of delve deeply on on mi as such um but this here is like an excerpt from my uh current uh, doctoral work um because what i'm really focusing on i'm trying to really delve into what patients and practitioners um identifies as, as, as motivators towards good self-care practices um so this kind of focuses in around a lot of what underpins mi so there's the um information motivation behavioral skills framework there's also some self-determination theory. And um, if anyone is genuinely interested in getting into a bit of MI, I would encourage them to have a good read around self-determination theory as well, because the, the principles that introduces underpins a lot of what MI has got to do, uh, got to offer.
1: Sure. And this one, Jodie?
3: <laughs> yeah, this is a systematic review of the literature, just to see um, prior to, to conducting um, my own research on feasibility of MI in clinical practice. Um, This is looking at what evidence is out there already for MI uh, to improve adherence behaviours for preventing diabetic foot ulceration. And there is an evidence gap. So whilst MI has been used in uh, thousands and thousands of different uh, areas, there's only really one small study of 12 people that uh, it's been used on and that are at risk of ulceration. So uh, watch this space
2: super and Craig just you just put the link up to right. um yeah the, the, to the book yeah just trying Absolutely.
1: to get a link to the book that, that yeah um, that,
4: i mean that that book is is i think the bible but it, it's also quite a big book There there is another <laughs> um, book motivational interview in healthcare um yeah which is much much more concise and let's say clinician friendly um mm book
2: that that i i like i agree craig if you just go back to the normal screen i'll hold it up i've just got it on yeah, my get. oh you've got oh yeah you've got it there i was gonna say i've got it here but yeah
1: it's good for- yeah I'll, I'll, link, I'll link to the books i'll link to the papers i think the other only other paper we've got sent is someone shared this paper here has been quite an important one oh
0: uh, yeah uh, i just i just really like this this was um it's, it's less of a sort of detailed study more of a kind of editorial piece. Um, but it's really quite current. And one of the things about MI is that a lot, of the, uh, a lot of the researchers know that it works, but they're trying to tease out which elements of it and, and why it works. Uh, and this particular paper is just a really, really good review of the three main sort of theories around why or how MI works. Um, and it's actually started changing my thoughts on a few things. I recommend people to have a, have a look at that. It's, it's only a short paper. Uh, it's, it's a good read.
2: Lovely. So before we wrap up, um, before we thank you all so much for your, your valuable time on a Thursday evening, I'm just going to ask you all one, one final question. Uh, well, the same question. I'm going to ask all of you the same final question. And that is to our listening audience, um, if you wanted them or for someone that's just tuned in that's missed it all or, or whatever it may be, if you could just give someone one take home, and it can be a little snippet or it can be a sentence, whatever you want it to be, one take home. They're completely new to MI. What's their take home from from this uh from this episode andrew i'll come to, to you first um
0: well, i just suppose it's, it's the thing that i found to be most um sort of salient uh, and the sort of core principle is, is to sort of remember at all stages that this this is the patient's journey um rather than our own and it's it's about getting back into that mindset of thinking you know we, we've learned a very specific way of interacting and talking to and even assessing our patients uh and actually a, a sort of fundamental review of this process and, and, and again towards that it's there it's their journey um and this needs to be truly sort of concordant rather than um, a bit more passive as it perhaps used to be
2: superb thank you and uh joanne same question
4: um i think probably the most important thing i would like people to take home is the active listening so it's about uh making sure that, that the patient it's the patient's story you're listening to so really a uh, um uh, maybe a different perspective on what andrew said it's uh make sure you use open-ended questions and be an active listener
2: awesome thank you and uh, finally jody
3: you need three times as many reflections as you do open questions for definite
2: amazing You love reflections as much as me. I can see it in your face. (laughs) 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 Yeah.
3: Open questions aren't as powerful as reflections. That's my, that's my experience.
2: Perfect. So read up on reflections and practice them. Excellent. Craig, it's been very quiet from you on with regard to Facebook. Am I to believe we have had no, no real, um, we've, we've had a lot of people,
1: a lot of people watching, a lot of people obviously very interested, but no, no questions, just a lot of comments, uh, just agreeing along the way. I think one comment, and you know, I I haven't got time to scroll back, which I found be interesting, and probably re- reflects my opinion. I, I I mean I've I've learned a lot, and I think I'm certainly going to have to go and look look up more about it. But I think a lot of us have been doing little aspects of this anyway, naturally, because we worked out it's probably a better way to go. But I, I think the whole concept of motivational interviewing gives it a context. It gives us a, a, a framework. A, a framework to perhaps do what we. Yeah, like I, I, I can see little snippets coming through, and there was a comment earlier on to that effect that we're, we're doing little aspects of that. I think it might have been Julie, might have made that comment. I just can't find it at the moment. So, okay, perfect. I think that's well, probably a good note to finish because we, the problem is if we go over about sixty-five minutes, we have to do this as two podcasts. We can't do it as one because only allow sixty minutes. The video doesn't matter. So, thanks, guys. Thanks. It's been really, really good. The hour's gone quick. We could, as per always, we can keep going for a lot longer. There have been a lot of people join late. So if you come back in 10 minutes, Facebook renders the video so you can watch the whole thing from the beginning. I, I now have a much faster internet, so the video will be up on YouTube soon rather than later. Um, and the podcast will be later later as well. So, so thanks, Jody. Thanks, Joanne. Thanks, Andrew. And Thanks, guys. Great. Thanks, you. Cheers. It's been a
3: pleasure. Bye. It's been great.